0: Welcome everyone to the GarageBand Dads Podcast. Hey, thanks for
1: having me. Oh,
0: sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, anytime. We're happy to have you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you are
1: a co-host. I'm a big fan. I've been listening for two episodes.
0: I've got a feeling that most of our listens are just us. (laughs) So today we'll be talking about the Swedish music invasion. I don't know if anybody really knows about the Swedish music invasion.
1: I think you're right. I think it's a little bit of a... A down a D L kinda something on the D L, you know what I mean? And you I gotta think you gotta know yeah. a bit about music to know what's going
0: on here. I think it only really came into the mainstream with Doctor Luke, who is he wrote all of Kesha's songs and she filed a lawsuit against him. Oh. And he's Swedish and everybody is like, Who's this Doctor Luke? I think that's how it started coming into the mainstream but Interesting. I mean, can you think of the most nonsensical pop lyrics you've ever heard of? Like just think of some really ridiculous pop lyrics that don't make any sense. Okay, and I guarantee a Swede wrote them.
1: <laughs> it's always Swedes.
0: Always, because they're learning English while they're writing songs. I'm not kidding. So, "Hit Me, Baby, One More Time" by Britney Spears, which you know they abbreviated to dot 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 baby one more time.
1: Do they do that now?
0: They, I think they always have because they didn't oh, want wow. to like put out a song with the sure. appearance of promoting domestic violence. But it was written by Max Martin, who we'll get into a little bit more. But the reason why he put hit me baby one more time is because he thought it was like, hit me up, like call Call me one one, one more time.
1: Which makes sense. My loneliness is killing me. Give me a call. I'm lonely. Exactly,
0: right? Yeah. (laughs) And then you've got, um, I want it that way by the Backstreet Boys. And nobody knows what that is. Like what way do you want it? And what is this thing that you want a certain way? Like I remember hearing that as a kid and all the girls Uh, swooning over this song and I'm like, It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) This song is retarded. Uh, (laughs) Then I found out why years later that Max Martin wrote this song while he was learning English. It was actually an interview with the Backstreet Boys. People were like trying to nail it down. Like, what does this song mean? And And they're like,
1: we don't know. Nobody knows.
0: No, it doesn't mean anything. He was (laughs) learning English and he wrote the words for us. And this is what came out, and it became this hit song, and no one knows what it means, but hey
1: <laughs> you know i I think um it's funny, I think that for me anyway, I rarely listening to music really know the word I shouldn't say that I know a lot of the words, but I don't ever pay attention. Or I rarely pay attention to what they're actually saying, right. I mean, if I if they're easy to understand, I'll know the words. But a lot of like AFI, I know all the sounds that he makes, but I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> I could well, sing I think... vote. I could sing uh, fouls along with Davey Havoc all day long, spotlessly to every song. But I yeah. probably know like three words, Th- words. Yeah. per album.
0: And then I know mean, like once I start reading his words. I'm just like, what the hell is he, this stuff? Oh, yeah. That's, right?
1: he, he's obviously Swedish because that stuff <laughs> makes no sense.
0: <laughs> At least of Swedish descent. So that, <laughs> I think like, that is a tip-off on the Swedish music invasion, if you weren't aware, is you've got nonsensical, meaningless pop lyrics, and they're almost yep. all written by people who are learning English or know English only as a second language. So Interesting. If we go back in time to where this all started, it started in the 1970s with ABBA, my favorite so band. My favorite band. I think they are probably everybody's favorite band, and I'm they the put reason why the
1: Beatles to shame.
0: The reason why I'm so confident in this is that they've sold 350 million albums worldwide. Wow. And each member wow. each member in the group has a net worth of 200 to 300 million dollars. So people they're are like in a, that band. Four. So they're like a billion dollar group yeah they're killing it so like they released 20 singles in 10 years that were in the top 10 of the billboard 100 so two singles per year wow that were in the top 10 jeez so one of the guys in the band benny anderson he was quoted in an interview as saying for me a song starts with a melody combined with chords north americans we tend to be very very lyric focused but The group ABBA and this kind of transcended all uh, Swedish music, but their focus is we start with melody and we perfect the melody. And then once we have a perfect melody, everything else will just fall into place.
1: I think that's the way to do it. I think a good melody supersedes or it should supersede powerful lyrics because, like I said, at least for me, I don't know what you're saying unless unless it's very clear. I don't know. What about you? Do you listen to lyrics? Do you know all the words? I
0: connect lyrically. Yeah, you do. I do. I Hmm. don't like my dad's a lot like you. And so what would happen, I think, is him and my mom would be listening to music. And my mom would be like, you know what the song's about, right? My dad's like, what? I don't know. It's a love gun. He's just shooting a gun. He's shooting a gun. She's like, you shook me all night long. Like we got in a fight or something, right? Yeah, my mom's like, no, the song is obviously about sex, and my dad's like, great, now I can never listen to this. <laughs> Thanks. You a have lot. ruined, you've ruined this song for me for life, <laughs> right? So, I know not everybody connects lyrics. I do. Mm. You don't. People no, are don't. different, but I definitely agree. Like, I don't think there's any song where the lyrics have been so good that the melody doesn't matter at all. That's called poetry, which is the worst. Yeah, the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that was Ava's methodology as they focus on the melody they'd spend hours around a piano perfecting their vocal harmonies and tuning and layering their vocals and you know if i think about the abba songs that i know i can't really think about one individual in the group singing it's always these layered harmonized vocals sure yeah so that was another thing that they had going was these layered vocals very much like boy band vocals like, try and pick out one singer in Backstreet Boys or NSYNC. You can't really. It all sure. just kind of sounds like whatever. And then they've got a big chorus with five singers, right? Um, so, the, yeah, they were hard workers. And there was this guy. His name's Daniel Levitin. And so he has a career to be envious of. He's a neuroscientist, a psychologist, a musician, and a record producer. Wow. And he's an associate professor at McGill. And he wrote an article on ABBA and why they were so successful. So he says their group vocals, it taps into our primitive, the group vocals tap into our primitive brain because primitive man would have heard groups of people singing or chanting or yelling or whatever.
1: So we really respond to
0: group vocals, group vocals. And I think that's what makes like, like AFI does a lot of vocals. And I know they're not... They're not super popular, but when I hear their gang vocals, I'm like, "Oh crap! Like this is amazing, right?" It's woes. They do so many woes. Woes, so many woes. Woe on the woes, right? Like whoa, no effects. Yeah. No, no effects even wrote a song about it, right? <laughs> they did. Woe on the woes. A F mentioned AFI in that song. And offspring. Yeah, an offspring. Yeah, but I think like you get lots of you get some bands with when you have gang vocals in the chorus and stuff like that, like it it elevates a song to another level. Sure, and this is what this neuroscientist says is the reason why is that that's what primitive man responded to. So it taps into this real primal part. Yeah, of it's brain. like a battle cry. Exactly. Right. Totally. So, um, the other thing he says they focus on is their, either their happy melodies and their happy songs or their sad melodies and their sad songs. They, they go for highly emotive melodies and chord progressions. Mm. And when you do that, you activate hormones in the body <laughs> And you you get a chemical reaction in the brain, so your like your body gets it's almost like a drug fix on the the emotion that the chord progressions and melodies sure. elicit, right? Yeah, and then the simple lyrics that are easy to go along with, that keeps the song in your head. Because probably everyone is a little bit of both, right? Like you identify with music
1: lyrically, I certainly don't, but. I guess I do to a degree. Like, I like to know what the lyrics are, and I like to sing along. Exactly. And, and I, I think th- that's true, and that's why I know the vowels to every AFI song. Because, <laughs> like, I'm trying to learn the words. Yeah. No one can interpret what the, the heck's coming out of that guy's mouth. but Yeah. But, yeah, you know, I want to, so I, I have the sounds down. And so even if those aren't my priority, like, knowing the words isn't my priority, I'm more more about the melody. I still want to know the words and probably the same with anybody, right? If you identify lyrically, you still want that melody. You like that melody. And so if you've got a catchy melody that, that uh, physiologically causes emotion in your body and you can have simple enough lyrics that people can understand them and sing along with it, now they're part of that battle cry. Exactly. So there's this pretty, pretty substantial
0: physiological thing happening to get you into that song. And then, yeah, so the ABBA approach to music pretty much becomes the template for Swedish rock and mm. pop music. Like, even to this day. Which it's is still just a like, template.
1: Sure. Just focus on melody and chord progressions that are going to get those hormones cranking. Simple lyrics because we don't speak the language, anyways. Exactly. It's interesting. I went to a, uh, an ASU football game a yeah. couple years ago with work. And, um, it was, it was whenever Gangnam Style was new, it had just come out. It was, it was still, it was still popular. Yeah. And they played that song and like everyone in the stadium was just going with it. Yeah. And it was, it was inspiring. Like how many people that this brought together who would never interact with each other. Most of them would probably hate each other, but this one song comes on and everyone just like I say that's battle cry it's just everyone is is fighting together for the same thing kind of and it uh, it was it was pretty cool it was powerful Pennywise man before I even knew Pennywise I saw him at warp tour we saw them at warp tour yeah together, we did. Actually. <laughs>
0: we did i actually told you about warp tour no i told you
1: i yeah, mm, no i know i, I don't know, know. <laughs> i'm sure you told me i'm sure you told me about warp tour yeah that yeah. sounds right but yeah. i i didn't know any pennywise but they played bro him
0: yeah and i was singing along same thing good yeah i was just working that chorus <laughs> over in the pit man same thing Yeah. And fight till you die. I remember just yelling (laughs) fight till you die. It was the first time I'd ever heard that song. Totally. And all of a sudden I'm yelling it. Yeah. You can do it. You can join in. You're part of the club. Yeah. That was, we saw AFI there too. Yeah. That was where I fell
1: in love with AFI.
0: Right. So do you remember, I didn't, I don't think I actually saw this, but Dan told me about it, that the drummer at one point in time in the song throws his drumsticks up in the air, grabs a bottle of water, takes a sip of water, Throws the bottle and catches his drumsticks. I know, I feel like I've heard that. I don't remember it, but <laughs> I don't think I I think I missed it because I was just I'd overwhelmed by the whole experience. Right? It was like the first time I saw a woman with tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, I was, it's like there's a lot of girls in bikini tops here. This is this is territory I, for I've me. I've never seen one of these in real life. Not, not in person. <laughs> yeah. Not without so, a computer screen uh, in front of me yeah, and,
1: a, so... <laughs> and a
0: and a modem. one line at a time yeah so the whole thing was very new so i think i missed that but yeah i remember dan like talking about that for the rest of the day that's awesome (laughs) anyway (laughs) so good um so then you get in the 1980s you get rock set which they did they do that song listen to your heart which is like i think just the most emotive it's almost like emotional pornography. It is like just huh. a song that is meant to make you cry over a breakup. Kind sure. of, you know what I mean? Like it is, yeah, it does that chord pattern. That would be like a F C G, you know that totally. One? Yeah. And then, uh, Europe, the final countdown, they were Swedish. Uh, oh, the guys it made
1: famous by gob bluth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They were okay before that. They were okay but before, but yeah. Joe really brought them into the forefront <laughs> of popularity. Popularity,
0: yeah. And then uh, Hooked on a Feeling was redone, was covered by a guy named Blue Swede. But I am almost 100% po- positive that when people see Blue Swede, they just read it as Blue Suede. Let me tell you,
1: in my research for this episode, yeah, I looked that up and I was pronouncing it Blue
0: Suede in my Swede. head totally yeah suede's yes. got a u right instead of a w oh my gosh it does doesn't it yeah so i think that's why people just look at they're like oh blue suede and they don't even make the connection i yet. didn't i'm stupid i did so, not wow yeah cuz you know like whenever i hear that hooked on a feeling i feel like it is some black guy singing it but it is some swedish guy it's the opposite it is it the is whitest, exact opposite <laughs> <laughs> like master race you can get right see i didn't
1: know like, any of these like Roxette man I grew up okay so I I've said before that I grew up listening to you know self-help books for kids yeah and Donnie Osmond and like yeah. the occasional Boney M which is true but my dad did have some Roxette in his car on a tape yeah and so I think it was recorded off the radio or something right or like from one of his buddies they pirated it yeah um but yeah, Roxette was for sure something I grew up listening to. I had no idea they were Swedish.
0: I think I figured that a while ago. My dad listened to a lot of Roxette too, and I that's how I know they're But they have some songs that are so catchy. And I'll hear it once on Jack and FM, and then I'm like, "Who is this? I've got to listen to this all day now." <laughs> and it's Roxette got, and it's Roxette, and then wow. after a couple of days I'm like, "Okay, I never want to do this again." <laughs> that's enough. <Right? laughs> that is enough. But yeah, it's so they're kinda they were more like one hit wonders in the eighties. They didn't okay. definitely didn't compare to the success of ABBA. And then that kind of continues sure. on into the nineties. So you've got Ace of Bass, I saw the sign. I think yeah. when I first heard that song, I was a kid, but I was like you know, I'd wait for it to come on the radio so I could tape it and listen to it a hundred million times a day.
1: Wasn't that the biggest song in the world at the time? Like that thing It, it had to be close, man. I
0: wouldn't doubt it. Here's one you might not think of as being Swedish is Eagle Eye Cherry. Oh, yeah. Stay Tonight. Did no. you know they were Swedish? I, I didn't no know they are Swedish until I was getting ready for this episode. But I'm like, okay. But now that I think about it, the lyrics are retarded and it's super catchy. And I mean, the
1: name of the band, even should have tipped you off.
0: <laughs> that what? it makes no sense? Yeah. <laughs> what, is, what is that? What is an Eagle is Eye that? Cherry? Not anything that anybody who speaks English as a first language would understand. No.
1: No. For all of our Swedish listeners, please <laughs> tell us if there's some kind of euphemism that we're it, missing here. Does some this sort mean of, in Sweden is an eagle eye cherry some kind of thing this that a you sex do? Metaphor? Yeah, like what's? Hook us up. <laughs> yeah. Email let us, us know.
0: GarageBandDads GarageBandDads is, Dads at gmail dot com. That's it. It's a real email address. Yeah, it's a real one. <laughs> Tested. <laughs> wow, this guy was born in '68. Eagle Eye Cherry, he's old. I didn't know that, but I get. I'm glad you came to the podcast. Me too. Glad, thanks I've, for your contribution. I'm <laughs> contributing.
1: <laughs> okay. Where and were then,
0: we? Uh, the Cardigans, who did "Love Fool," that was on the Baz oh. Luhrmann's uh, Romeo and Juliet, the Leonardo okay. DiCaprio Claire Danes. Yeah, they were uh, Swedish, which should not surprise you because that song is so damn catchy, right? Even The Office used that song just for its catchiness. Jim starts singing it just so that Andy will get it stuck in his head and sing it in his falsetto (laughs) all day, right? (laughs) (coughs) And then uh, Cotton Eye Joe, also (laughs) done by
1: Sweets. I've never heard that song.
0: Oh, yeah. No one's ever... Who (laughs) went to a dance in junior high (laughs) and did not hear this song? (laughs) This was like the only song I could two-step two step or whatever. And that stupid. seems like such
1: an American song.
0: Oh, yeah. How is that not an American song?
1: Right. It's super, it's like super hillbilly country.
0: Oh, yeah. But then when you think about how the lyrics are retarded, it's super catchy. Wow. And gives you that real giddy kind of emotion. It's like, oh, this is obviously Swedish. It has to be, yeah. It has,
1: yeah. It only makes sense.
0: Yeah. So, up, yeah. Up until this point in time, Sweden has been exporting their music. But then in the mid-90s, they start taking over production of pretty much every American pop group. Okay. So for the 70s, 80s, and early 90s, they're just, okay, we're recording our own stuff and we're sending it out. Mid-90s, American studios start sending their groups over to Sweden and say, okay, fix our, fix our pop music, right? <laughs> <laughs> We've got a problem... Look, we got, we grab five guys off the street. We grab five guys off the back street. Oh, Ooh. nice. Five boys off the back street. <laughs> we want you to just make them sell records, right? Like yeah. this Sweden is that, that SNL skit, right? Like when I put on pants, I'm the same as everybody else. But when I do it, I make gold records, right? <laughs> yeah. Like the yeah, so Sweden is actually they've got the formula. Actually, they've got it, yeah. So it all it all boils down to this guy Max Martin. So born in Stockholm, he's in a glam metal band in the eighties called It's Alive. That's right. And they make two albums that aren't very good. But he gets connected with this guy named Dennis Pop. And on the outline, I've spelled his name exactly how he spells it: Dennis Pop. D, but capital P O capital P. Yes, but that's how he. That was like what he changed his name to. That's his legal name now. That's who he is. Yeah. Does he correct people when they pronounce the pop wrong? He's dead now. But maybe. Rest in peace. Rest in (laughs) peace. Too soon. Too soon. Rest in. He but uh, probably if if he could even catch on that they were mispronouncing it. (laughs) He doesn't speak English. He doesn't speak English.
1: (laughs) So Dennis has like, Dennis knows the 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 music the sounds the melodies that are going to make the money but he can't play anything.
0: And so Max Martin is playing in this glam metal band in Dennis's studio and Dennis is like, "Hmm. I know melody, you know music." <laughs> dirty dirty. Let's get together. Uh, <laughs> at least we think we're funny, right? Maybe <laughs> at least there's two of us.
1: Maybe this is why they're good with the music because just saying that had a musical quality Tone. to it.
0: You know, there's a. Well, do you know. Okay, so when I lived in Wales, I found out that like pretty much every choir, you know, every famous choir had Welsh ancestry. And there's huh. something about their accent, and it's the same thing with the Irish, is that their accent naturally gives them this very, very powerful singing vocal. Oh. Like, I met this Irish kid who could just belt it. And I'm like, how long have you taken music lessons for? He's like, never. I have never in my life had a music lesson. Not even once, let me tell you.
1: But then why does everyone sing with an American accent? Like, it's pretty rare that you hear a song on the radio that is from someone who's not American... But has a yeah. non-American accent, like Lily Allen. Once in a while, you get a hint of her British, right? But you know anybody else, like Celine Dion, doesn't sound French or Canadian. She sounds American. Everybody, Ed Pro- Sheeran,
0: Probably it, so he's that
1: straight up Irish?
0: He, I think he's English.
1: English? Yeah, he's. he's I think English, he's. But...
0: I actually think he's subhuman. But... <laughs> I hate Ed Sheeran so much. <laughs> like I know we cannot get through an episode with me not talking about some, someone I hate. <laughs> why
1: some <laughs> human? <laughs> I hate, hate him so much. Why do you hate him so much?
0: Why not? <laughs> Just How the hell did his unmentionable song Beat Uptown Funk for Song of the Year? I will never know. <laughs>
1: It's because he plays that cute little Taylor that like mini Taylor or whatever his guitar is.
0: Is that it? Like, I don't I'm just like, this guy <laughs> sucks. And everybody I'm I rem, I just remember working with a girl who was listening to Ed Sheeran and she'd, like, broken up with this guy and she was really depressed. I'm like, look, we've got a lot of work to do. I can't have you moping around the office, okay? What the hell's going on? Oh, I've been listening to a lot of Ed Sheeran. I'm like, Ed Sheeran, is that like that sounds like the kind of music your mom buys at Starbucks. (laughs) And then I listened to him and I'm like, yeah, this is exactly the kind of music your mom buys at Starbucks. I was correct. So, and then I told her that and then she laughed and got back to work. So yeah, that's where my passionate (laughs) hatred of Ed Sheeran started. (laughs) Oh, oh,
1: that's good. Anyway. so good. Yeah. Uh, So, so the question was, which I don't think we're going to answer, but the question was, why do we, why does everyone sing with an American accent?
0: I think it's so that it's more palatable to American ears. Because we're the biggest market. I they're say just, we, but we live in
1: Canada, which is
0: not the biggest market. They're just driving around in their scooter chairs in Walmart <laughs> in overalls <laughs> with no t shirt. So, and they're like, I ain't listening to none of this English. <laughs> <laughs> I want something more
1: American. <laughs> maybe that's why, because maybe you go sing in. You put out an album with a British accent and nobody cares. Everyone in the rest of the world will listen to it if it's catchy. They don't care. You put it out with like an African accent, which is a continent, not a country, but, you know. (laughs) Way to go. Way to go. Hey, I'm cultured. I'm cultured. Yeah. Yeah. You know, pick a, let's just say Nigeria because the prince emailed me recently. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh. You you sing with a Nigerian accent, and probably the rest of the world. You know, some guy in Denmark listens just as well as someone in Brazil. They all like the music because the music's good. But an American is like, <laughs> like, what is this shit?
0: <laughs> what is this? This is America.
1: <laughs> You're gonna sing in America. You gotta talk like an America.
0: American. American, <laughs> like an Americanese. <laughs> You're not speaking American Americanese.
1: Yeah, Here I mean we. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's it. Yeah, I, I don't.
0: Think, I don't know. Like, I think you get a novelty out of, out like Gangnam Style, for example. There's a bit of a novelty factor sure. with it being Korean, but Psy's been very, very popular in Korea for a very long time, and we haven't cared about him since 2012. No, we we're gave him one song, right? Maybe right? And that two. Was it, and then So we're done. yeah, you get the novelty factor. That's what I'd say it is. Interesting. Maybe Shinate O'Connor just ruined it for everyone by being such a cantankerous (laughs) woman. They're like, we're not listening to anything foreign ever again. Okay. We had enough. But then I,
1: so then it's kind of like movies. I'm I'm, I'm trying to compare this to movies a little bit where, you know, in China, the Chinese uh, movie market is like a pretty serious factor when we're making stuff. Yeah. Like uh, the Warcraft movie did pretty bad over here, but they killed it in China. And I think they're making another one. Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of movies what like pacific rim or whatever there's a bunch of movies that don't do that well here and if it was just the american market they probably would not make a sequel but the everybody in china just ate that crap up so they're they're making more movies because they're gonna kill it in china yeah and is there something to that with the accents that everyone records with is that a similar just to make
0: it more popular in another market Maybe. I would say maybe like
1: everyone no one in the world cares what your accent is like except the Americans. Yeah. So we gotta sing with an American accent so everyone buys it. We don't want to cut out the three hundred and fifty million people in the United States of freedom.
0: With the (laughs) okay. All right. Where the hell were we in this whole thing? I don't know. What are we talking about? Sweden? Max Martin and Dennis Pop getting together. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dennis Pop. Dennis Pop. Okay. So they get together and and they kind of they learn off of each other, and Mac, uh, Max learns about music production from Dennis, right? And similar to Abba, Martin's focus is developing the melody, and he dedicates himself to reworking and revising the melody, and challenging the melody. And then when the melody is perfect, then you can write the rest of the song. Okay. Huh. So his first chance with American art, artists is with. The Backstreet Boys. So and were they
1: I, like brand new? Was this on album one?
0: Yeah, like they were just a group of five guys, kind of doing that barbershop quintet, acapella kind of stuff. Okay. And then they get signed with a label, and they say we're sending you to Sweden to make your album. Okay. And their first album actually was huge in Europe for a year before they released it in America. Oh, wow. So they were actually, yeah. And then, so their first two albums came out almost back to back. What actually happened was they wrote about 20 songs because the first two albums had about 10 songs each. But they wrote Backstreet's Back as part of that. And they're like, well, we can't do Backstreet's Back on the first album because that doesn't make any sense. Of course. So we're going to split this into two albums and then uh. we can release Backstreet's Back on the second one. <laughs> But it was all like within a year that they released these two albums. Interesting.
1: You know, that's funny because I do, I feel like I remember Backstreet's Back hearing that and my sister's, you know, like singing it around the house. Yeah. And I was like, back from where? Like, I don't know. I remember, yeah. Were they I around remember, before this? Before,
0: yeah, I remember thinking that too. But the answer is, of course, because Sweden, right? Like, wow. Nonsensical lyrics equals. Wait, what was the Sweden. name of their first album? Backstreet Boys.
1: Oh, it's this one. I see. Yeah, it was one year apart.
0: Yeah, so their first album was just self-titled, and it had "Get Down" and "Move It All Around" and uh, we "Got
1: It Going On." Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: we got it going on. And I think, like, I was actually I was borrowing my in-laws' oh. car, and they had that CD in it, and I was listening to it. And it is like super catchy. It is epitome of pop in the nineties. But yeah, like musically, it is. You can tell it is like one guy writing the music on a synth in his basement. <laughs> like it is, there's nothing mind blowing about the instrumentation or anything like sure. that. it is just your run of the mill synth garbage. Yeah, but super catchy, right? Like it totally super was. catchy. So that first album, eight eight million copies sold, eight times platinum. Jeez, so and this is just some guy in a rinky dink studio in Sweden just playing with a synthesizer, making these melodies. Why did the just stu- like,
1: studio decide to send them there? Like how did they know this was going to be
0: big? I'm not too sure on that. Maybe it was just like – maybe they'd seen some of the success of like – I think it was Ace of Bass. Mm, sure. The success of Ace of Bass got them to think Fair about no- using Chiron Studios. Because <clears throat> this was like 96. Music. Yeah, and, and Ace, of, Ace of Bass mm. was like 93, 92 I think. So. Okay, sure. You get the ace of base. I think that's what really sold Kyron Studios to uh the US. I would also think that it is just like low financial risk. Okay. Sure. It's like we're just gonna send them to Sweden, we're paying them in kroners <laughs> which is like ten to a dollar, like whatever, right? If yeah, they can just... kick out something for us, great. If they can't nothing. It's cheaper, it's not that big yeah. of a deal. Yeah. So That would be my guess. And then they come out, Max Martin does Backstreet's Back. And he wrote that song, Backstreet's Back. And he also wrote As Long As You Love Me. Oh, yeah. As Long As You Love Me was number three on the mainstream top 40. And Backstreet's Back was number four on the Billboard top 100. And the single went one-time platinum. So just the single of Backstreet's Back sold a million copies. Wow not even the whole album like on t- i can't remember what the whole album sold but just that single did you ever buy a single i bought one single no. or I bought an ep in my entire life i've
1: i've bought eps <clears throat> from like obscure punk bands
0: me too but, that, but every time i bought an ep i'm like this was actually a waste of money cuz the obscure <laughs> punk EPs, it was like 20, that'll be $25 yeah they were like, that's oh, true for okay. for
1: like four songs
0: yeah and like hmv would have to special order it <laughs> and, so I can't believe they sold a million of just the single. Like I don't know who bought the single, but they sold a million of them. So. I, yeah, huh? We remember the Backstreet Boys' insanity, right? Like sure. the boy band insanities of the '90s. Oh yeah, I remember it. Just girls talking about these guys how hot they were, and I'm like, these weirdos with frosted tips and like ribbed sweaters and turtlenecks, like <laughs> right, right. I didn't. Ah, oh. me and my wife were watching. I know what you did last summer with Ryan Philippe. Yeah. And he's like a bad boy in that, but he looks like he, he looks like Justin Timberlake and he's got like <laughs> totally the nineteen nineties Justin Timberlake like frosted afro, and I'm like, this guy's such a wiener. <laughs> like he looks like such a wiener. How is he a bad boy? But <laughs> Uh Yeah, then he does Backstreet Boys Millennium with of course I Want It That Way, which we talked about at the start of the episode and why its lyrics are nonsensical but yeah so he ends he goes on he works with britney spears he works with nsync he works with Katy perry pink kelly clarkson and do Jeez. you do you remember uh bon jovi of course now name one song bon jovi has written since the 80s yeah I, uh
1: no i can't do that
0: how about it's my life do you remember yeah, yeah okay one? i remember that one guess who wrote that max, max martin, martin. And that's the only single they bon jovi has had on the charts since the 80s was the one max martin wrote for them wow and they did i remember they did some terrible like country rock kind of song yeah and i think they did a duet with someone like in the last 10 years and i just remember it being terrible and and it wasn't tremendously successful either so bon jovi has tried to be successful since the 80s, but the only time they were successful was when they wrote a song with Max Martin. So this guy literally has like a Midas touch. Yeah. Like he can just take any group of people and make them a hit single. Like he is that, who is that guy in the, he is uh, Christopher Walken in that SNL skit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, what's the guy's (laughs) name? Uh, It's the
0: same name as the lead singer from Iron Maiden, but that was just Oh, it is, Bruce Dickinson. Bruce Dickinson, yeah, yeah, yeah so <laughs> he is the real life bruce dickinson right? <laughs> like that is uh, the max martin effect um wow so he didn't work just by himself though at Chiron. i guess he had like a lot of other people on his production team who've ended up being very very successful in the american market so one of them we talked about already dr luke who right. worked with kesha paris hilton <clears throat> uh, oh miley yes. cyrus paris hilton <laughs> Yeah. Do you remember place? her? Well, yeah. Uh, Iggy Azalea, Jennifer Lopez, Nicki Minaj. Okay. Uh, this other guy who goes by the name Shellback uh, worked with Taylor Swift as well, Katy Perry, Maroon Five, One Direction. Uh, Savannah Koteka worked with Ariana Grande, Katy Perry, One Direction, and Usher. Wow. Yeah. So the and there's a lot of overlap. There's more overlap than what I listed on the outline but these guys, they all work together on a lot of these pop stars. So when we tell stories in North America, we like to focus on individuals, the success of individuals, but really yeah, absolutely. Uh, he had a team behind him and his team has gone on to be very successful as well. With all this talk of Swedes, like it makes me wonder, and I'm sure you and all of our loyal listeners wonder what made Sweden so special? Like why does Sweden kick out so much pop music?
1: Yeah, what, what, what's the magic, uh, the secret weapon that they've got? Like, why, why not, are they the secret weapon?
0: Why isn't it, like, France? Why isn't it Germany? Why isn't it, like... Nigeria, Nigeria. like I said earlier. earlier. <laughs> what is it about Sweden? So I think one thing is they are culturally just industrious and creative people, so they have the most patents per capita in the world. Hmm. So that culturally I guess what you do if you're Swedish is you create things and you sit in your hut and you tinker and you make things. Is not Lego Swedish? Danish, but Danish. like close, right? Like Same stuff. not very far away like Sweden is probably closer to Denmark than what we are to each other. Right? Yeah, true. <laughs> well, I mean that's
1: cuz the Netherlands can fit in
0: my boot. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Denmark's not the Netherlands, but <laughs> well, just erase there that part. Go. Just there edit that go. in post. <laughs> like I said, I'm cultured.
1: Yeah. I am a man there of culture. Go. Yeah, so geography is my favorite hobby. hobby.
0: Yeah, good at this. Um, I think culture, like what I found out, is that Swedes focus on collaboration versus competition. When you grow up in the Northern Arctic Circle, over huh. thousands of years, you have to collaborate to survive. Right. So I think that's culturally where they get that from—is just growing up in a very northern climate. Um, that's interesting, but like, there's other there's interesting things about their their government and why their high tax rate and uh, significant number of government programs works well. Sure. One reason is is that their politicians are perceived as extraordinarily trustworthy. I mm. think Swedes trust their politicians more than any other country trusts their own. Another one is culturally they all, they just work. So people don't stay on welfare for a long time in Sweden. Oh, interesting. Because you're expected to just get back to work. So people aren't like, they don't think of a welfare state as being something that people abuse and take advantage of. It's just something that's there to help people out. Um, Almost every employee is in a union everywhere. And unions and businesses actually work well together. And, you know, I know in America, like North America and Canada, to an extent, like unions are thought of as the Black Death. Yeah, right. right. Like, it's just like, no, we will never unionize. And if you unionize, sell your business or you shut the plant down. But in Sweden, just everybody's unionized and the unions and the employers, they all just get together. And everybody's kind of, they work together to get a win-win for the employees and get a win-win for the business. So, they're like, I just think their approach to most things is collaborative. And so, Max Martin, he didn't just work on this by himself. He had a production team and they worked together and he groomed other people to write pop music. Sure. Just like how he was groomed and trained by Dennis Pop to write pop music. Right. Right. And so, it's not about like, I have to be successful on top of everybody else. It's like, I'm going to be successful and let's get as many other people successful as I can. Right. Interesting.
1: <clears throat> it's like the
0: opposite of our episode one. The exact opposite. And I'd say, like, you look at Stephen Jenkins, and you look at Max Martin and all these sweets, and who's more successful? The cutthroat evil? Yeah, right. Or the guy who wants to work together with people? I yeah. Say.
1: Which, which he doesn't even care, I mean, to some degree, about the popularity or about the credit. You know, because... I imagine of all the people listening to this, very few of them know who Max Martin is.
0: I know. Like, he has as many number one singles as the Beatles. Right. And no one knows who he is. No one knows who he is. And I don't think he he cares. And I think, like, his net worth is $300 Like, he's not – he hasn't become poor by doing this. (laughs) Not yet. Like, it's not – yeah, not yet. (laughs) It's not like he's living in a hole somewhere. He could be very well known if he wanted people to know who he was. Probably. He he may be happy with it. You know, I he might be just living the dream. You know what? He
1: is living the dream.
0: He is, one hundred percent. He hears his
1: music on the radio all the time. He knows he's the guy behind it. He knows he's the man. And then he goes to Starbucks and gets a coffee and no one bothers him. No one looks at him. No one asks him for an autograph. No one like throws their soiled underpants at his face. Like he just lives a normal life. But he's rich and yeah killing and doing what he loves he's making music
0: and i think the fact that you don't know who he is despite how successful he is is very very swedish like we watched a documentary on on sweden when i was in high school yeah and one thing they talked about was in sweden you blend in you're not supposed to stand out you're supposed to just be the same as everybody else so what what
1: is this like why Where does all this stuff come from Why is Sweden the way that it is? Why are you the way that you are?
0: are? Why do you not want people to (laughs) stand out?
1: Well, why do they have so many patents? And why are they so collaborative? And just like, how do you get a nation
0: of people to not want to stay on welfare? So I think like one thing is, is that they are culturally very homogenous. Like they are, like Sweden has mostly Swedes. And I don't want to get into like an immigration debate here, but I think when you have a very homogenous group of people, it's a lot easier to kind of keep them united and focused on on one thing. Absolutely. Because
1: like racism or whatever, any of that stuff aside, I I think the least racist of any people, you put a bunch of people together, we're naturally going to flock to those that you have common traits with, whether that's hobbies or interests or beyond that, the way you
0: look and i like i know that there's been there's been some studies and some writing like on the evolutionary role of religion Mm -hmm. and one thing that religion did and why it's kind of persisted is that it gives it unites a group of people and kind of builds a a layer of shared trust in a in a larger group and you can unite very very diverse groups of people and make your tribe bigger cool by uniting under a religion so yeah, and yeah, yeah. That's just a, so I think when you have a very homogenous group, it's easier to unite that group and it's easier to, to achieve things. When you think about how, collab, how much collaboration means to them as a society and a culture, it makes sense that the music they make does not really stand out in any significant way. It is music made for everyone because we are a group. Right? We're it, it really is. And it's just made to
1: be really catchy. There's no, there's like no soul in it. There's no real, um, what's the word? There's
0: no individuality in it. There's no real artistic expression in it.
1: Right, but it's like mathematical art, art. It, art I guess it's I guess made for right. physiological. Pe-
0: yeah it's just, it's made for everyone music isn't how we express ourselves music is how we bond together as a community
1: yeah because you know like well exactly with the the my gangnam style thing at the at the at the football game or singing bro him at at war tour. tour
0: you yeah. know
1: when you don't know it um absolutely and you know i never liked that stuff growing up like i was listening to as soon as i could i was listening to blink 182 and then no effects and afi and and then like into the heavier stuff. I was always into something that had distorted guitars and terrible singing Um, and just made me want to hit stuff. I liked liked the adrenaline and that aggressive feeling it gave me. But that all being said, I would sing along with the Backstreet Boys when it was playing in the living room or in the car on the way somewhere. I would sing along to those songs, and then I'd pretend that I hated it because that was my yeah. job well, as a brother
0: because you had to be you were as a teenager you're you're finding out who you are as an individual so you're gravitating towards music that makes you different that expresses your individuality which is funny that's the stuff that's actually making me a perfect teenager yeah <laughs> but I but think really it's not no matter how much you want to be an angry teenager everybody wants to be a part of a group yeah and so we all gravitate to that popular music which makes us part of the population right like yeah it is yeah so i think that their mm. view on music would be more that music is how we bond together as a people music is not how i express myself as an individual yeah uh, so other things that make them successful i think we talked about already but their their focus is on melody first rather than lyrics and i think the reason why you focus on melody is melodies understood in every language right and you have to have it. Like I said at the beginning.
1: Yeah. If 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 you have lyrics without melody, you're, it's poetry. It's a poetry. poem. It's not yeah. music anymore. Yeah. Well, and, so, and you could have the best lyrics in the
0: world with a bad melody, and of course it's not going to sell. You've got to have a good melody. Exact, yeah. So melody is something you can share with everybody. Everybody can hum along to a melody. And so I think that kind of further reinforces our idea about the emphasis on community. Um. Swedes speak English. Uh, I think 89% of Swedes speak English as a second language. And I think that speaking it as a second la- language gives them an advantage uh, lyrically because they know English enough to write lyrics, but they don't know English so well that they overcomplicate the lyrics. They know enough to write
1: a cohesive sentence, but yeah not well enough to make a paragraph that makes sense. Yeah. Each exactly. sentence is good on its own, but you throw them together yeah. and you're like... <laughs> it doesn't make so, sense. I, I'm sorry. Say that again. Maybe try rephrasing that.
0: Yeah. But I mean, they wouldn't even... They don't overthink it because yeah. to me, if I am trying to write lyrics, I'm like, this thing has to make sense from right. beginning to end. And if it doesn't, I won't be able to sleep at night.
1: But it doesn't. Because, you know, I. I there's two examples. There's that Jack Johnson song. Yeah. I don't know what it's called, but uh It's a chorus. <laughs> Ba no, ba just... ba da ba ba, right? Ba yeah. ba da ba 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 ba, that is that was filler lyric, right? I was listening to an interview or something. That's that was a filler lyric while he was looking for the he made the melody and then he was trying to find words to fit in there, and they just took too long. And he's like, okay, I guess that's stupid, but that's what it's going to be,
0: right? So he inadvertently follows the Swedish method and totally no surprise that's his most popular <laughs> song, right? Right. <laughs> so. I think another thing that's interesting about Sweden is that they they have these small government-funded um, music schools okay. that all kids go to. And Max Martin went to one of these. But the thing that's interesting about it is that they start teaching them composition. Okay. And so, like, if you learn to play an instrument in North America, you're probably waiting till university, maybe even your master's, before you start doing comp- real serious composition. Sure. Right? It is... The American, North American method is you learn someone else's music until you can play it perfectly. Right. Right. And there is no kind of like, everybody, I knew a lot of people who played piano and did their Royal Conservatory. And I was like, have you ever written something? They're like, hell no. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no interest in that. Yeah. No interest. But I guess so in Sweden, in these small little kids' schools, they start teaching them like basic composition. Interesting. So it makes me wonder, do you think the Swedish method has murdered the creative process of making music? Like they have turned songwriting into a manufacturing industry rather than an artistic one. This is interesting. You know, I mean, possibly.
1: I I could see it definitely making, changing things. You know, because at the end of the day... Well, this is tough. So many things have changed in the last 20 years. Yeah. You know, we have we have Spotify and I mean, you can write you can write, produce and record a pretty good quality record in your basement for yeah. minimal amounts of money. Yeah. You know, you buy a MacBook and it comes with GarageBand, you go buy a cheap interface and a mic and if you know how to edit you can do a pretty good job with that stuff. Um, so there's, there's so many more people who have a desire to play music and might have the talent to do it um, that are able to get behind a microphone and push music out. And then they can put it on YouTube and they can put it on Spotify and like actually push it in front of a lot of people that would never be able to happen before.
0: So I think you do get that those viral stars for sure. But that being but said,
1: I, th- I think it's still really hard to get big doing that, to get noticed for because sure. like, yeah. you're wading through a sea of billions of dollars being thrown out by the record industry and I, in I, advertising. I think,
0: I think now that the record industry has this Swedish formula, I think they're right. less willing to take a financial risk.
1: Absolutely. We see the same thing in movies, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we're not making as much money, or the studios aren't making as much money, and so they're far less likely to make The Matrix or put money into something that's risky and and is a brand new idea, and they'd much rather put all their money into The Avengers because they know it makes money, and put it into sequels because they know people will pay... To see Aladdin in live action because of the nostalgia factor,
0: yeah, not because they think it's going to be a good movie. And they can resell the merchandise, and they can yeah, like there's a whole lot, yeah. So I think same things happening in music, and because they've tapped into this, it is seriously it is like a manufacturing plant. And I think no band showed this better than One Direction, where Simon Cowell literally takes five different contestants on Britain's Got Talent and says, "I'm going to make a boy band out of you guys." Yeah no one of you is individually good enough to make it through this competition on your own. But if I throw the five of you together and make you a boy band, you'll, you'll do great. Huh. And they did. And even some of their songs and some of their hit songs were written by Max Martin's. Proteges. Right. Like, I think that's what makes you beautiful, which was like their first hit single was written by that, yeah. uh, you know, one of Max Martin's guys. So literally like Simon Cowell showed the world that, pop music is a manufacturing process like you take the raw materials and yeah. you put it into the machine and your finished product comes out and you sell gold records it's just so formulaic and people will buy it yeah and then we end up with
1: like this almost homogenous vat of music that's catchy and and good i guess yeah but none of it has any real any real feeling to it it's all built formulaically and not emotionally.
0: What's the takeaway here? It's teamwork, but really I think it is refine your process until it is flawless. Like that's the real, if you have a flawless process, if you can streamline your processes in your business or whatever it is, like refine and simplify your processes And then you can just sit back and you're on easy street. Sure. Teach people how to do it.
1: Yeah. Okay. You know what? I agree with that. I have one more example here. Unrelated. Uh, Selling alarm systems door to door. Yeah. I was not great at it, but I had a really good trainer and he didn't teach. You know, I've been doing sales for over a decade. Yeah. And like I've seen one person who was good at training. Everywhere else I've gone when I was selling... Cars. I had, you know, I sold cars at two different dealerships and they had, both of them told me they have great training. They didn't mm-hmm. have good training. They had no training. The training was yeah. like, watch me sell a car and then go do that. Yeah. Like uh, that's, that doesn't help me at all. There's nothing yeah. technical there. They just say, yeah, just talk to them and, you know, be their friend and sell yourself and be excited. Like that doesn't yeah. help. Yeah. So my alarm trainer he would sit us down and we would role play. Okay. When you stand on the door, stand this far away, face your body in this direction. When they answer the door, say this. And, right. uh, and he's like, and so you, you'd repeat what he says, but you like say it, you say the same thing, but in your own words. And he's Wait, like, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. You say this word for word. And we right. would memorize a script right. for like the entire sale. You would memorize a script yeah, and you'd sell, right? You just like everyone sells like that.
0: Well, you know what, like one thing I've observed, and even like, as I try to delegate more and stuff like that, is there's a lot of my job working in a small business where a lot of things just, I did them. Mm-hmm. And as I'm trying to delegate them, I'm realizing I need to organize this and build a process around it so that someone else can do it. Yeah. Because just doing it my own way, if I keep doing it my own way, I will do this forever forever. Right. Because I can never delegate my judgment. Cause no, and no one else can do it. No one can do it the way I'm doing it. And yeah. I might, I'm, I have some things that look to an outsider, like disorganized, but it's organized to me and yeah. I'm realizing like, if I don't simplify this, I can't get this off my plate ever. And I was talking to a coworker about this. I said, disorganized people are people who like to do their job and never want to do another job. Because if you reduce and simplify your job to a few processes, you can say, okay, I'm ready for something more. Give me something else because everything that you had me do before, I've simplified it so that an idiot can do it. And you can hire anybody else to do what I was doing before because I've made it that easy. But if you keep things disorganized, it's always like, no, I'm the only one who can do this. And yeah. so in some ways you've got a safety blanket because you feel like I've made myself irreplaceable to the company. Sure. But the reason why I've made myself irreplaceable is because I'm disorganized and inefficient. Right. <laughs> <coughs> and and I think eventually it, it catches up with you and it's just your business is growing and trying to get to the next level and it's like, okay, and you're that you're so bogged down by your own disorganization that you well, you, you can't just get go bottled further, met. right? exactly and it's like we need more out of you and it's like oh i can't i can't i don't know well what can you delegate i don't know nothing yeah not one thing because it's all so and it's like whoa whoa let's slow down let's look at this walk me through this step by step okay and then you go through it step by step and it's like it's that easy yeah okay let's put this in a manual and get someone else to do it because i need you to do something more important it's true yeah so i think that is what the swedes perfected is that they made this efficient process and like it starts and you Mm -hmm. see it start with abba and it pretty much follows every other swedish group right yeah we start with the melody we make the melody perfect then we fill in the blanks
1: you know i think the cohesion thing is sorry not to cut you off
0: yeah no problem
1: i agree i totally agree i think a good process figure out why the things work yeah um yeah, and that, that alarm thing just hits close to home to me because it's that's what I saw. Yeah. So many managers just tell their guys like what to do and they fail. But this guy that teaches you exactly what to do, word for word what to do, he uh, his guys do well. His guys sell. Yeah. Like you gotta you gotta figure out the process, the why. Why do things work the way that they do? What makes a specific thing work and then and then figure out how to make it replicatable by other people yeah and then the cohesion thing and the lack of the rock star thing, get rid of the rock star phenomenon,
0: yeah' do you know what one thing I've observed is that people who someone who's a natural salesman mm-hmm. they can't teach other people to be a salesman
1: a- absolutely
0: because they've never had to learn
1: right they right? just they're good at
0: it people who are highly detail oriented they can't teach other people how to be detail oriented because they've never had to think about like
1: like, that's something. The mechanics so of it. In my
0: profession, I'm very, very undetailed, but I had to learn how to become detailed. And it was a huge struggle for me because people just tell me, well, Andrew, you lack attention to detail. And I'd be like, okay, like, how do I fix that? Well, you just need to pay attention. I'm like, I feel like I'm doing that. <laughs> I'm not, that's not am I'm, I'm doing that. In my mind, I am doing that. And I feel like I'm working really, really hard on it, but it's not working.
1: So Tim Ferriss, he says that you wanna you don't want to talk to the the guy who's the best at what he does. Yeah. Because if you ask Michael Phelps how to, to teach you how to swim, yeah, he doesn't know. He's just yeah. he's got long arms. He just swims. Yeah, and he's just really good. So he yeah. picked a different swimmer, and I don't know the name of the guy, but he says he's short and he has short arms, and he's like. I, I don't know. He, there's a, a bunch of things going against him that should yeah. make him not a good swimmer. And he's yeah. not a gold medal. He's like a silver bronze medalist. But he has figured out how to defy the odds and become exceptional despite the uh, despite despite The limitations. The limitations, the limitations yeah. yeah. And so those are the people that you want to learn from. Yeah. Absolutely. The people that have had to work at it and figured out all the little secrets. Yeah, for sure. So team cohesion. Get your team working well together. Yeah. Qu- quit trying to – I mean, a lot of this, which we've talked about before a couple times, and maybe this is a thing I – maybe it keeps coming up because I need to work on it. But but forget the pride thing.
0: All right. I think we've hit our limit. I think that's good yeah. for, uh, for a wrap. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks a lot. If you, uh, if you found us offensive when we talked about Swedes and their <laughs> – English is a second language skill. Please write us hate mail. We'd love to read it. Irish band dads, the some Irish
1: negative negativity about the Irish,
0: all white, all white people, yeah. <laughs> which well, I feel less bad about. I did bring up the Nigeria you know, thing, but it wasn't in a negative way. I don't think it was. I don't think so but either. Maybe so, I'll get flack for that. I hope I do. You, I would love I, to get some flack from somebody. I, I would love somebody to just uh. give a damn. So <laughs> <laughs> please write us a review. Garagebanddads at gmail.com, thanks for listening have yourself a good day or night whatever it is for you everything take a break away just wanna see a friendly face just without you everything sucks every day hurts like a kick in the nuts am
1: just so sick waiting around everywhere seems to beat me to the ground